Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we pray this morning that you would bless your word. We pray, Father God, that what you're teaching us in the temple of God would move our hearts in the direction to stand as you want us to stand. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It allows us to see with greater measure. We pray that your word would be a seed planted in every heart, O oh God. That your word would be the bread of life that would nourish our spirit. You said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And we hear you this morning, Lord. Our hearts are here. We welcome your word. Your word gives us hope. It allows us to increase and grow in faith and allows us to be profound in our love and intentional. So prosper your word in our hearts and let us be a people of your word. Father, allow your word to dwell richly in us that we not sin against you. We give you thanks and we pray that you would prosper your word and that it not return void. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Um, so we were talking on Wednesday night about repentance. If you weren't here, uh, I can't, you, the, the, the issue of repentance, it's, it puts you back on God's pathway to his purpose. If you're not repented, you're missing God. But repentance is not a one-day thing years ago. It's an everyday thing adjusting. It's turning back into the right direction of God because uh, you don't feel right. And that inward feeling of not feeling right causes an outward action. Um, it's not an emotion. It's a decision repentance we talked about. And so God showed us about the prodigal son. We went through that. We're not going to go through that today. But make sure you get that message. Um, and God wants us to learn that you don't keep his word. Listen very carefully. This is, this is very important. You don't keep the word of God. The word of God keeps you. Isn't that powerful? Sometimes we're like, oh, the word of God. No, you're not trying to keep the word of God. The word of God is keeping you. You don't break the word of God. The word of God breaks you. Imagine that. A lot of people don't understand the intensity of the word of God. You, you stand on either the side of its blessing or you side on the side of its coming down and, and making you dust. And I know that, that the word of God comes and messes with us. Um, every aspect of the word of God is like an orthopedic surgeon that's putting bones back into place. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. You break a bone and now... He has to put it back, and that's painful. So the word of God is doing that in us, and Matthew 21, 44 says, those that fall upon the word shall be broken. Whoever falls on the stone will be broken. So one thing is that you fall upon the word, and it, it messes with your life, or if you don't fall on the word, and you say, no, that's painful, I don't want it. But whomever it falls upon will be grind to powder. You, you'll be undone at the end of the day of not listening to God's word. Some of us have had that experience already and can shout, Amen. Amen. Some of you guys have been so crushed to powder, you can't even say amen. But, but that's the truth of it. You're not going to make fun of the word of God. Nobody could mock God. God will not be mocked. Don't be deceived. 
Whatever a man sows, that's what his life will be about. So moving with God, we already said, sin in your life, out. Wherever there's an expression of selfishness and defiance before God, get it out of your life yesterday, wherever it is. It could be a thought, it could be a word, it could be an attitude, it could be an action. I promise you that, that we don't realize we don't realize the pathway we're on when we're in sin, when we have an attitude contrary to God. And it's, it's, it's a crazy scenario. Um, I want to move with God this year. He's calling us to excellence. Um, excellence is a life without sin. Right there is a good one. Say amen. amen. Last night, Nick did a great job with the youth. He was talking about excellence is a life of organization. God wants to put our life in order. And so if you would only be here if you wanted God to order your steps. And so he is. He's going to be faithful to do his part. Uh, immaturity would, would take you to not understand what, what God has for you. Uh, we've called this, this message the standard of God. Um, this, is, this is not for everybody. This is the people that want are curious to see where honoring God and his word would lead them and the standard of God in excellence is a life without sin and and he this is perfected generation through generation um, I lived the first 20 years of my life without the word of God without the instruction without going to church so so I didn't have the understanding that my kids have they're living a lot larger expression of excellence because they um, it was funny because in North Carolina they said, Pastor, could you come and do a conference? And I said, yeah, we want, you wrote a book called What is a Man? I said, yeah, um, but I have two places to go. I'll send my sons up there. But they said, who's your son? I said, look, I just wrote the book, but my kids live the book. See the difference? And they didn't think that that was true until they went up there. And then they said, we don't want you to come back, Pastor. We want your kids to come back next year. Because they want the substance of what's the reality of what God is showing us. So the standard of God is a life without sin, and that calls for repentance. This life without sin is you're getting selfishness out of your life. The, the horrible thing about a wrecked marriage is two selfish people. That's not supposed to be the case since we don't have a revelation of this growing up. Then we get married and we, we, we're one pulling and the other one's pulling, but that's not the way it's supposed to happen. If we understand the standard of God is to become one and what God has joined, let no man put apart. Let no man separate that union. And so uh, sin separates and divides and breaks. Um, I love the men of God in the Bible who decided to live according to God's standard. One of them is Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 12, the consequences of listening to God for Daniel was the lion's den. They went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not set an order that every man who petitions any god within 30 days except you should be cast into the den of lions? A lot of people see this and they're like, man, thank God we're not living in those days. But we are. You just don't have vision for it. You're living according to the standard of bowing down to the king of mammon, 
listening to money and the currency of this world and the, what was going to make you rich, but you're not listening to the standard of God. So he says, let anybody for 30 days not bow down to any God. And Daniel says, you're crazy. The king answered and said, the king, this thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians which does not alter. We can't change that law. Verse 13, they threw Daniel under the bus. So they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is the captive, one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition. He prays to God three times a day. He's bowing down. He's honoring God. He's he's unwavering. Um, the standard of excellence is let's line up with God's way of doing things. What is God's measure? And here Daniel is seeking the face of God, and he's going to pay a price. And you guys know the price. He's thrown into the lion's den. But I, I want us to be modern-day Daniels. How many say amen? amen? I have a standard that is not this world standard, and people can't stand me for it. They're like, why does he live there? Um, I I think our God is worthy to give him our best. He gave us his best. He didn't give you substandard. He didn't give you a bull or a goat or a chicken. He gave you the blood of his son. That's, that's, That's what's on the line there. The sacrifice of Christ. For what? For your salvation. You were fit to go to hell forever. And so now everything changed. They call it a game changer. How many say that? It's a game changer. That's it. Now my whole view is different. Now I'm to honor him above all things as a priority. Somebody say priority. What's priority mean? Number one. Why? Because he's number one. He's number one. He's number one. Can't be number two. When you get to heaven, you're not going to want to remember that you put him in second place. Putting him in first place, a lot of people think benefits him, but I want to rest assured to you, it benefits you, my friend. Amen. It benefits you. When, you. when you're waiting on God for the best, I love Polly. Polly, you, you're going to get crowned with favor. Absolutely. You wait on God for his best. God has his best for you. He showed it on the cross. He shows it every day. And so that's why Daniel was moving in that direction. I I was moved in this. I said, how do people learn the standard of God? The standard of God is not something that is imposed. The standard of God is not something I try to do often, which is beat you in the head until you get it. I can't. If you don't understand the love of God, you can't respond properly. And obviously you don't understand it, or else you would respond to it. And there, Ephesians chapter 3 It tells us, verse 16, I hope that the riches of his glory, Ephesians 3.16, I hope that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, the measure of all that he has in glory, the wealth of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. What causes a person to honor God is the guy inside. The guy inside dictates how you make decisions outside. And, and I, was, I was having breakfast in South Beach, and this guy is a Mr. Atlas. He's a world champion weightlifter. He's from Morocco. 
They call him JFK. He has muscles upon muscles. He looked like he broke out in tumors. He's huge, huge guy. And I'm sitting there having breakfast, and I said, I'm going to go tell him about what is a man. I'm going to go tell him that he's a wimp. Lord, help me. Because it don't show your muscles outside and your inner man's a little piece of little chihuahua. You're not a man until you put God in his rightful place. Then you're a man. Then you're a champion. And Pastor Joey was a, a muscle fitness guru when he was 15 years old. Had muscles upon muscles, shakes upon shakes, appetites, competing, doing all sorts of things. So I go up to Mr. Atlas and I said, hey, Mr., do you want to be on the inside like you are on the outside? That was my best way to call him a wimp, right? <laughs> Do you want to look on the inside like you look on the outside? Because you're breaking out with all these, you're, you're showing an appearance, but you're not a man. I, here's a book. I gave him a book, What is a Man? And, and thank God he didn't kill me. <laughs> but he says, I want to give you the riches of his glory that you be strong and mighty through his spirit on the inside. So we were talking with my kids, and I forgot what we were talking about, but, but we were talking to the three boys at Richie's house, and I said, um, if you're, if you're going to be paid in this world to do something, will you be paid to take a stand less than your conviction on the inside? And I said, these guys over there at, at Walt Disney, that their whole life, they, they, they live inside of a Mickey Mouse costume. You know, and, and Brandon says, well, it depends how much they're going to pay me if I'll, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be in that little costume. I said, no, because the man that you have inside, the blood that runs in your veins will not conform to that. That's not, that's not what's running in this blood. We're, we're honoring Christ, and we're not sold out for money. So he says... In order to get to this place where your inner man is strong and you, you're getting everything God has for you, verse 17, you must press into so that Christ is dwelling in you for real. You call yourself a Christian, but you don't act like Christ is there because Christ wants to honor the Father. Through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. If the measure of your love is what allows you to honor God and to live for him, at the forefront of excellence. The only reason we're talking about this this morning is God has given us a vision to walk in excellence, and we want to walk in it. Lord, how, do, how does a mess come to this place? He's giving you a step-by-step, -step, you know, game plan to go in that direction. We're just hearing about it here. If you shout amen, you agree with it, and then when your body starts moving in that direction, you'll see the results, but it's not going to happen outside of being rooted and grounded in his love. You think like he thinks. You love like he, you know, the thoughts are, are taken not by fear, not by grandiose, by humility. It's the opposite of the world. Grounded in love. Verse 18, I got to hurry up. Got a couple of minutes here. That you might be able to comprehend that it comes into your mind together with all those that think alike. What is the width? What is the length? I think the width is this way. That's height also. Width, length, depth, height. What is this description of the bounds of his love? How does it describe my actions? The way my disposition. 
I was speaking to a young man yesterday. He says, my grandfather was a pastor. My father was a pastor. I I haven't been to church in 15 years. I said, really? That should be some lame family. That should be some sad family. I wish that's not what my grandson goes around saying. My, my grandfather is a mighty pastor. My father is a preacher. My grandson, 15 years out of the church. Something is messed up there. That's not excellence to me. Excellence is when the, the substance, you know, accompanies reality. And some of us have, have forfeited the greatness of the riches of his glory because we're not walking in this understanding. Verse 19, who could comprehend with all the saints the width, the depth, the height, the length of God's to know the love of Christ. It's way beyond the thought. It needs to be something in the gut that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If everything God has for you is going to come to pass, it's because you're perfecting love in your day-to-day expression. Now, this, is, this has to be crazy what we're talking about here. To be completely filled with God's game plan. I, I really feel... I feel that, that me being divorced from every thought this world has to offer and walking in the direction is bringing a greater measure of God's reality to my family, to my life, to my existence. Verse 20, what for? So that we can see that he who is able will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're praying for or think according to the power that's working in us. If we're going to blow up in the direction of God's excellence, it's because we're walking in this reality. Take it um, under reservation and prayer, this portion of this gospel, uh, uh, the portion that we have shared so far. Verse uh, Psalm 73, um, read it when you got an opportunity, because here's the contrast of those who walk not in excellence. And, and so we've already had generations of guys who have done it their own way and tried their own things they had their own scams and schemes and they're trying to figure out how to live life upon the earth with their wit and understanding outside of God's love outside of God's word in a measure of selfishness pride and arrogance and so the Psalm 73 verse 1 starts out with God is good God is good to his people who are his people those that are pure in heart uh, do you feel this morning that God is like like burying it all? He's just he's being transparent. He's not hiding himself this morning. He's given us the purity of his presence. So he's good to those that are pure in heart who take it in stride. Um, but as for me, verse three, I mean verse two. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling and my steps almost slipped. David could not come into the goodness of God. He could not come into the purity of heart because, verse 3, he considered and was envious of the prosperity of the wicked. Once you start allowing that to taint your thoughts, you're like, wait, I could never obtain the expression of prosperity, success, and excellence because I'm, I see how they're doing it out there, how the wicked prosper, those that don't see God, those that don't pray, those that don't want to walk in the uh, purposes of God. Verse 4, brought envy to those boastful. 
for there are no pangs in their death. It seems like they're strong, but their strength is firm. They, they, it looks like nothing's going to bring them down. Verse 5, they're unstoppable. They are not in trouble as other men. They don't have problems. That's a lie. You just have to meet them. Nor are they plagued. They don't have issues. They're not deficient like other men. He continues to bring the standard, not of excellence, but the standard of this world's prosperity. They advance quickly and everything is destroyed. We, like Daniel, go into the lion's den and we're paying a price because of our convictions and we're brought out on the other side. You know the story of Daniel. There is none like your God, O Daniel. He's the God of all men. So, so that is being played out in our lives. Verse 6. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. They go around boasting with, with arrogance, violence. They break all. Violence is, is going past parameters. It's not necessarily breaking somebody's head. It's just there's a line drawn and they're playing outside the lines. A lot of them don't keep the Sunday. They don't, keep, they don't read their Bibles. They don't pray. They don't worship. They don't honor God. They're never at the Lord's table. They don't have time for God's table. They have a time for the demon's tables. Every time there's a meeting at the demon's tables, they're the first ones there. But they're not at the Lord's table. Violence covers them like garment. Uh, it's what they wear. They continue. They're breaching God's lines. Verse 7. Their eyes bulge with abundance. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have. I'm going to. And they're bulging with their. They want more and more. They have more than their heart could wish. They have more to spare. They don't give a diddly squat. Uh, my, 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 my son asked me a couple of years ago before he went to law school. He says, hey, dad, how come people are rich? And the, the, question, the question had a sub-question, which is, and you're not. I didn't, I didn't even go there. I just was going to answer his question, why are people rich? I go, because if you're looking for money, money you'll have. If you want money, money you'll have. But if, if you want what the Bible says in Proverbs 10.22, if you want blessing, then blessing you'll have. Amen. And the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. Now what do you want, money or blessing? I said, son, if, if what you want is money, all you got to do is wake up every day and think about money. But if you wake up every day and think about God, you're going to be a blessed man. And I thank God my children have chosen to be blessed and not wealthy in this world's sense, right? They're, they're going to have, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and everything shall be added. Amen. Everything is coming their way. So the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. I don't want what, the, what ungodly people are going to have together with, the, with their plans to make a lot of money. I, I'd rather be in the house of the Lord. And I've chosen to bow myself and to stay within the bounds of his sanctuary and let the Lord prosper me. He knows how to prosper his people. He knows how to exalt those who humble themselves. Let's go back to Psalm 73, and we're in verse um, 5. I, I just want to make the contrast of the standard of excellence as these worldly people. They are not troubled as other men. Verse 6, therefore pride is an excellent violence. Their eyes bulge, verse 7. Uh, verse 8, they mock wickedly. This is one of the, their favorite stuff is to make fun. They scoff. They speak wickedly concerning, you know, uh, following the Lord. They speak lawfully. They, they're above God's standard. They're not. They set their mouths against heaven. Verse 9. 
You give them a godly standard, they, they say no. You give them a godly standard, they say no. Uh, they're always speaking according to this world standard. Their tongue walks through the earth. That's their parameters. The, the earth is their boundaries. Therefore, his people return to his place, and waters of abundance are drunk by them. Verse 11, they say, how does God know? Who told God? And what good is the knowledge of the Most High? Why are you following God's lead? I'm telling you what. I can't wait to end up where God's leading me. I can't wait to, to see there is a path that seems right to man. Its way is destruction. But then the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So you decide. And God is always making you that contrast. If you had a genuine repentance, you wouldn't have an issue uh, years into your salvation. But here even David was having problems seeing the wicked prosper and he was having issues. They say, how does God know anything? Why are you tracking God's knowledge? Um, so he keeps on going and says, verse 12, Behold, these are ungodly who always prosper and are at ease. They have increased in riches. Remember, the, what's missing there is the blessing. And then... It goes, surely, makes you think, verse 13, surely I am cleansing my heart in vain and wash my hands in innocence. Uh, serving the Lord is not worth it. Surely I'm doing this and it's not going to lead me anywhere. Uh, that's what they make you think. Verse 14, for all the day I've been stripped and punished. I had a man in my office the day before yesterday saying, all my brothers are making a lot of money and I don't seem to be making any. I said, because God is planning you to be a son and to be a steward of his inheritance upon the earth that you might be fit to lead nations. And so all day I've been stricken, punished every morning, calling my attentions. If I have said, I will say this, and had expressed my feelings, I would have betrayed the generation. If I would have taught this to my children, it would have been untrue. If I tell my children it's, a, it's a, in vain to have served the Lord, I would be a liar. I would be a liar. And then verse 16, when I consider how to understand this, it's too great an effort for me. I don't know how to understand these things. Too painful me to, for me to consider. And then here... Uh, he visits the sanctuary of the Lord, verse 17. Until I entered the sanctuary of the Lord. Then I understood the end. See, the end. What's, what's up the road for those who fear God and walk in his standard of excellence? And what is at the end for those who defy God and say that they're going to do their own thing? They're going to come and go. Surely... Uh, verse 18, you set the wicked on slippery slopes. You set them, you know, these, these cliffs that just come to nothing. You cast them down to destruction. Uh, verse 19, how they are destroyed in the moment. They are completely swept away by sudden terror. They're just wiped away. Verse 20, their dream becomes a nightmare. As a dream, when one awakes, so the Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. What they're creating is not something that you want to go in that regard. Now, that, that is always why people have issues. Verse 27, for behold, those who are walk far from you will end up perished. 
I want you to highlight that, 7327. Those who walk far from God shall end up in a horrible reality. You have destroyed all those who abandon you, who are being unfaithful in their harlotry. And I love David's stance in verse 28. But as for me, it's good that I draw near to God. It's good that I'm getting closer to understanding my God. That I put my trust in the Lord. That I might declare all your works. He's doing a mighty work in us. Um, Nehemiah 4.10. I just wanted to touch on this. Because it says a lot of times when we have clutter in our life. Doesn't allow us to build. If you have too many uh, rubble. And Judah said the strength of the laborers is failing. There's not much. There is so much clutter that we are not able to build. Uh, if you guys don't know, Maggie has a, a company called Clutter Control. And it cleans out 20 years of your garage and 50 years of your house. And it, it, it says if you, if you get rid of the clutter, you're able to live a more powerful life. Um, I suggest you get rid of your spiritual clutter. And that you not be stumbling in these things. All you're doing is delaying God's advance and purpose. And we should be super tuned. Let's stand this morning. Father, thank you for this word. Uh, The standard of God is excellence. In all your ways, you're perfect. That we might be filled with your love so that we not walk as orphans. Moving in every direction, but losing. We want to move in your direction and being blessed and prosperous. We want to be able to contrast between arrogance and humility, between making you the first in our life like Daniel did in the midst of a crooked, twisted generation. He put you first. There was consequences. There was pain. There was suffering. But you lifted him up out of the pit, Lord. I pray that you do the same thing with us. Forgive us our sins and wash us with the blood of Jesus. Allow our thoughts to come back to the house of God and to serve you with excellence, and to live a life that's transparent and pure in heart, drawing near to you for all those who abandon you and forsake you shall perish, Lord. And we don't want this to be our reality, oh God. We've come from the world, and now we're in Christ, and we're new creations, oh God. We pray that we would honor you in all our ways. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. (laughs) Greet one another in the love of the Lord. See you on Monday night. Tomorrow night is men's meeting, 8 o'clock. Monday night men's meeting, Wednesday at 7. God bless you.